The human being is incredibly unstable. We see very clearly with the hymn writer that change and decay, decay in all around I see. Nothing ever seems to remain the same. Our experiences fluctuate from day to day. Our circumstances seem to alter from hour to hour. Change is our lot. Instability is uh, the context in which we live our lives. We see this in our differing trials and troubles. At times we might be full of health and vigour, and then we're struck down with an illness. At times we may enjoy a relationship with someone, uh, even within marriage, and then it is cut off through death. There are times when we truly enjoy the blessings of fellowship with God, and there are other times when we might feel cold and distant. There are times when we know peace and safety in God's salvation, and at other times our souls are troubled through the storms of life, and we doubt even our salvation. There are times when we know opposition from friends, from family work colleagues, from government, and times when all is at peace. And there are times when we feel the pressure of the culture around us. But even there, the types of challenges we face change with the ever-changing views of our society around us. In the midst of such instability, it is difficult to remain stable as Christians. Amidst all the changing scenes of life, it is hard to live lives that are not constantly rocking to and fro, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So the big question we need to ask tonight is, with all this instability, where can I find stability? How can I remain firm and unwavering in my faith? And it's to this question, these questions, really, that this stanza brings us some answers. How can we find stability amidst instability? To be stable amidst instability, we need to find something that is stable. Something that we can indeed rest our faith, our hope, and our life upon and know that it will not move. So in preparing for this message for this evening, all through the day I had the gentle humming and clatter and batter of someone digging foundations for an extension next door. And of course they needed to do that uh, in order to lay down some, some concrete or whatever they're going to do to find something that's firm and secure for that extension so it doesn't wander away from the house. We might change illustration. We think if you're in the habit of going on boats, um, maybe a rowing boat and you come to the shore, um, the boat wobbles and it rocks to and fro and you want something firm to put your feet on on the shore so that you're not going to flip over and go into uh, the water. It's no good going onto a, a roller skate or something like that. You, you're going to be asking for trouble. You want something stable firm and sure. And that's what we need spiritually. To find stability amidst instability, 
The psalmist takes us to something which is truly stable, solid as a rock. And that is not a surprise from this Psalm 119. It is the word of God. We find this particularly in verses 89 to 91, where the psalmist says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Only in the word of God can we find true stability. Only in the word of God can we find something that we can rest our life and faith upon constantly and consistently, knowing that it will not fail us. This is something that's true and as solid as a rock. But how come? How can we be sure of that? Well, the psalmist gives us, well, we've got four reasons that I bring from a psalmist. First of all, this word is eternal in nature. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It is something that is for all time. Some men's words may be appropriate for a certain generation in their own situation. They may well have inspired people for a certain amount of time. People like uh, Mahatma Gandhi and Winston Churchill or Martin Luther King and their words and their stirring speeches may have even changed the course of history. Though many may still admire their words, yet those words don't have an enduring authority or message for another generation. It was for their particular time, but not so with God's word. Although, of course, it was penned through many generations and in a number of different cultural situations many, many years ago, this word has enduring significance today. It is as relevant today as it was when it was written, and it will be as relevant for thousands and thousands of years to come, even for eternity. So we take the words of Jesus, for example. He who is the incarnate word of God. Were his words that he uttered upon this earth just for a few Jews in Galilee 2,000 years ago? And that's all the value that they have. Jesus states very clearly that that is not the case. For he says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. They endure through all the generations and even forever. And really this must be so the word of God must be eternal in nature because this is the word of the eternal self-existent God, the Lord, who has no beginning and no end. The one who is described in Psalm 90 and verse 2 in this familiar way. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These words come from the eternal God, and although they are spoken in time, this is the communication 
of a God who has no beginning and no end and who is not limited by time. And so it is his declaration, his revelation to people of all cultures, all nations, all languages, and all generations. So as such, it has a stability which is out of this world. Something which is stable for all ages, even forever. Now that's something to rest our faith on. That is the word of God. But secondly, this word is settled in terms of its nature. So verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It is settled by the eternal God. It is settled by the unchanging God. So that we see this word does not alter or change over time. It is not moved by the whim and fancy of men. It doesn't say one thing at one time, another thing at another time. And we hear from our scientists, one day chocolate is bad for you, the next day chocolate is good for you, hooray! And then it's bad for you, and then it's good. We see that all day long, don't we? But since God does not change, his word remains firm and true. So in Numbers 23, we have Balak. He desperately wants Balaam to curse Israel. Just wants him to do it. Wants to curse his enemies. And uh, Balaam speaks the word of God and blesses them. No, I want you to curse them. I want you to curse them. And so he goes and blesses them again. And uh, in that, it's the word of God. Says He says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God isn't going to do that one time and then, oh, no. He wants you to say something different, so he'll say something different another time. That's not God, is it? His word is settled in heaven. It does not change. Sadly, there is a view today, probably it's not new, is it? Many treat the Bible as fluid, like they would treat, as it were, gender, a being fluid. So they would say, well, you can believe you can take the Bible to believe what you want it to, to say. It, it will mean what you want it to mean. Uh, that you, well, you can interpret it that way and that's the way you see the truth, but I will see the truth in a different way. And so really, uh, the word of God is not settled then. But the testimony of the psalmist is, it is settled, it is unchanging. The truths, the message, the meaning of the Bible remains settled. It does not alter. And that's why it's a stable, solid foundation for our lives. It endures and is settled forever. But furthermore, this word stability rests upon God's faithfulness. We've already seen that the rock-like nature of the Bible flows from the truth of who God is. 
the word of God is eternal because God is eternal. The word of God is unchanging because God himself is unchanging. But we must also see that the truth, the stability of God's word is reaffirmed as we think that God is faithful to that word. So in verse 90, we read, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. His faithfulness of God is not just limited to one generation or for a particular time. We're in an election year. And uh, if it could ever happen, politicians will start to become more faithful to what they're saying for a time. They will be consistent with what they say uh, to, to try and win us over, won't they? But how long will that last beyond the election? It's just for a moment. Is God like that? It just... Okay, for, for you guys here, Ramsbottom, I'll be faithful, yeah, for a little while. I'll do that. But oh, another year or so, maybe not. I've had enough of that. That's not God, is it? He is faithful to all generations. It endures. He is true absolutely to his word. He won't go back on it. He will never fail to keep his promises. He is the rock and his words are the rock on which we can stand. So as Moses states in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth faithfulness and without injustice righteous and upright is he so as God is faithful we can stand on the rock of his word he won't go back on it but fourthly and this is an interesting uh, thing that uh, the psalmist brings out fourthly this word stability is affirmed by creation so as we reflect upon the stability of God's word revealed in the scriptures, we see it's affirmed by an observation of God's word and law at work in creation. So I'll read verses 89 to 91 again. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants how did order come into this world by the word of God I often when I'm doing this I go to, to the let there be light one but I'm not going to do that I'll just up the trend um, we can go to verse 6 then God said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made a firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. How was it so? God spoke. It is his word that brought the world into being and order into that world. 
But it's also true that creation still continues. How? By the word of God. By the laws of God. Those laws that God has, been, has put in place. And they are described in verse 91. Those ordinances, those laws are described as the servants of God. So God uses these servants, his laws, his word, to uphold all creation. So, go back to school in your minds. Remember your physics lessons. Or if you're doing homeschooling, uh, at the moment, have you got physics on your mind? What are the laws of physics? Yeah, I, I thinking of those earlier. It's going out of my mind. Okay, if you've got a a thing, you know it's got to. If it's going to change its acceleration, it's got to, There's got to be a force on it. That's a, a law of physics. And in fact, uh, force equals the mass times acceleration. Yeah, got that one. I remember that one. And also, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So two things come together. They apply equal and opposite force. Okay. So those are basic laws of physics. And uh, we can, don't have, you even have to go to school, we can observe just the course of things. So when we haven't got the cloud and rain that we so often have, you can observe the, the sun going up and through the sky and down. And it's different to the at different times of the year uh, in terms of the height of the sun, but it does that. And you can, you can work that through. Same with the moon. And uh, it... It goes through the sky, and at one point it's a bit of a slither, and sometimes it's a full moon, but you see that progressing, and you can observe that. And that's happened year upon year upon year upon year. And going back to the physics, in Star Trek, you can he change the laws of physics. That's what it says in Star Trek. And it's true. You can't change them. They're stable. They're laws. These things are put there. By God, they are servants to sustain the whole of creation so that creation, it still abides, doesn't it? We're all here on this earth. And it's still going uh, around the sun. Yes, remember that one, it goes around the sun. It's still going, isn't it? And that's the word of God, that's the law of God. He's keeping that going. And so then that speaks to us of the very word of God, the law of God, enduring and being stable. This is also brought out by the prophet Jeremiah. Yes, scripture cannot teach us the way of salvation, but they can assure us of uh, the truth of God's words and of God, about God's purposes. So in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 35 to 36, we read, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, so we thought about that, the ordinances, the laws of the moon and the stars for light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is in name. So God has put these things in place, these laws, by his word. And then he says, if those ordinances depart, from before me, says the Lord. So basically, if those laws stop working, 
then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. So we think there, God's purposes in terms of the seed of nation, they are assured. Just have a look at the sun, have a look at the moon, have a look at the stars, see the laws that God has put in place. They're abiding. And so this word also abides. So if you're not convinced that the word of God is eternal in nature or is settled in nature or it rests upon God's faithfulness. If it should be, but if not, look at creation and it will remind you and affirm that these things are so. God's word is absolutely stable and sure. Yes, the psalmist does not want you to be mistaken here. For in God's word, stability is found in the midst of instability. And he would uh, say a real amen to the opening sentence that we confess together as a church, that the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. But yet, such knowledge, that the word of God is eternal in nature, is settled in nature and its ability rests upon God's faithfulness and it is affirmed by creation. And these things mentioned in the confession, these, this knowledge will be absolutely worthless unless we climb up and stand upon a rock with the word of God. So let us do that as we follow the psalmist's example in the rest of the stanza. For here the psalmist demonstrates the stability the word of God brings to various situations. So firstly, we see it brings stability through affliction. So verse 92, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my afflictions. We all know that troubles and difficulties are very disturbing times and can cause extreme instability in our lives and send our souls into turmoil to the extent as the psalmist confesses they could easily be destroyed we could perish even in the midst of such affliction and the truth is of course we do not know what a day may bring the news of a diagnosis the death of a loved one the loss of income whatever it might be but the enduring word of God, the stable word of God, brings words of comfort to help us through affliction. We think of the people of Judah in Isaiah chapter 40 as they had that thought of exile brought before them because of their sin. And in Isaiah 40, and uh, verses 1 to 2, we read, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. But how is that comfort going to come to God's people? It's through his enduring word. And so in verses 6 to 8, the voice said, Cry out, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. 
Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. People come and go. Circumstances change and, and fluctuate. Our health might be strong, it might go. We may be facing the death of our, our own death or of a loved one or whatever. But the word of our God stands forever. And it's a word of comfort in affliction to strengthen you and to keep you from perishing in that affliction. So stand upon the rock of that word. Do not be uh, altered by the circumstances. Rest. Rest upon the word of God, even as our Saviour did, as he took to heart Psalm 22 on the cross, as he saw, yes, the affliction in that psalm, but he saw the hope in that psalm too, the comfort in that psalm. God's deliverance and of the resurrection and of the joy that was set before him. Just read a, a few reflections of Mr. Spurgeon uh, on this. He says that that word which has preserved the heavens and the earth also preserves the people of God in their time of trial. With that word we are charmed. It is a mine of delight to us. We take a double and a treble delight in it and derive a multiplied delight from it and this stands us in good stead when all other delights are taken from us. We should have felt ready to lie down and die of our griefs if the spiritual comforts of God's word had not uplifted us. But by their sustaining influence, we have been borne above all the depressions and despairs which naturally grow out of severe affliction. Some of us can set our seal to this statement. Our affliction, if it had not been for divine grace, would have crushed us out of existence so that we should have perished. In our darkest seasons, nothing has kept us from desperation but the promise of the Lord. Yea, at times, nothing has stood between us and self-destruction save faith in the eternal word of God. When worn with pain until the brain has become dazed and the reason well nigh extinguished, a sweet text has whispered to us its heart-cheering assurance and our poor struggling mind has reposed upon the bosom of God. That which was our delight in prosperity has been our light in adversity. That which in the day kept us from presuming has in the night kept us from perishing. So my friends, if you're being rocked by the waves of affliction and adversity, put down your anchor on the rock of God's word, by faith, find in it the stability you crave and you need. So there's stability through affliction. There is secondly stability in answer to prayer. So in verse 93 we read, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Now cast your minds back to just after Christmas, it's the last time we looked at this psalm and we looked at to these stands of calf. Remember in this psalm, really, the distressed state of the psalmist's soul in that stanza. As he endured what we described as the dark night of the soul, feeling an absence of God's presence and comfort. And so at the end of that stanza in verse 88, he prayed, revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. He wanted to, to know and experience uh, that spiritual life. 
in relationship with God. And he, he prayed this prayer while still committing himself, as verse 81 says, to hope in God's word. So he prayed, he hoped in God's word. And his hope wasn't disappointed. It wasn't like a child at a birthday party who's expecting great things and just gets jelly and bamonge and a few games that they weren't wanting. No. He wasn't disappointed. Because his prayer was answered. It didn't just hit the ceiling. But God gave him the spiritual life and stability in answer to prayer through God's word. So he could say in verse 93, I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. This word had given him what he needed, the comfort, the strength and joy to revive him. So are you struggling spiritually? Are you feeling cold in your relationship with God are you struggling to experience the comfort of God's word? Well, the lesson is the same as last time. Don't forget or forsake God's word. Keep on reading it. Keep on listening to the preaching of it. And pray. So that through that word which endures all generations, that word which is eternal, that word which is stable, that word which is settled, you might be revived and know that spiritual life of communion with God. This stability comes to us even in answer to prayer. The stability of the Word of God also grants us stability in saving faith. So in verse 94, the psalmist says, I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. Here the psalmist makes a glorious profession. I'm yours. He's the Lord's. He, he is God's own possession. Chosen and owned by him. And on that basis he seeks the salvation of the Lord. He seeks the fullness of that salvation. That the God who has begun a good work in him. To, to set his love upon him. To make him his very own. Will indeed complete it. But what brings stability and assurance to such saving faith? How is it that he can state. Oh, I am yours and, and can pray save me. Well, it's because of God's word. For I have sought your precepts. It's all in relation to uh, the revealed word of the living God. And so we see that this gospel of grace was fit for the faith of the psalmist. And it was also fit for the saving faith of the apostles. And fit for the saving faith of the churches of the New Testament. And indeed fit for believers of every generation. Because this word is stable. So Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 23 to 25. Having been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. 
because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. It is through that word that the gospel has come to you. It is through that word that you have been born again. And it's through that word that you grow, as uh, verse 2 of chapter 2 says, as newborn babes, through the very milk of the word. And so, through this word, you know, you can know assurance of salvation. So do you struggle with assurance? One moment you know peace, and next you're in agony of soul. Let me urge you to persevere in the scriptures, the stable word of God. It doesn't change. It remains true. God doesn't alter his promises. Persevere in reading the scriptures. In seeing what the scriptures say to you. In studying them and in resting upon them. And see that because of what the word of God says to you. He will save you. He who begun a good work in you shall bring it to completion. So the stable word of God brings stability to saving faith. It also brings stability to endure opposition. So verse 95, the wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. Sadly, through this psalm, uh, we have seen that the psalmist has had to uh, deal with his enemies' hostility time and time again. As a faithful believer, he was lied about, he was hated, he was treated wrongfully, which is a hard, hard thing to bear. And such treatment can come upon us from time to time. That old joke in the workplace, that mocking of our faith, that being cut off from family, that being discriminated against in the workplace or through government legislation, all the list could go on. We cannot always be sure where and when these things will happen. But we can be sure of the word of God. For we can consider the testimonies of God and know that they are true. And so we can know that in Christ our suffering is not in vain. For we stand on that enduring truth. So are you facing hostility for your faith? Are people seeking to destabilize what you believe in? Because in many ways that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? Though they might not overtly say it, they're trying to make you turn back from your faith. So the mocking of your faith or that, that joke about you at work well, they're hoping that it will affect you so much that you'll go back. Because actually your faith is quite uncomfortable to them. They want you to be like one of them. So they're seeking to destabilize you. If that's the case, go to the stable word of God. See that it's God's unchanging truth and stand firm on it. For like Luther, you can do no other. Okay. His circumstance where he had to stand firm might be different to yours. But yet the principle is there. The destabilization of your faith, trying to get you to turn back on your faith, that's the same. So we read the, the Diet of Worms, 
his response uh, to uh, the Chancellor who who'd stood up. He, this reply has been recorded for all to read, as, as we see here, and the last words will be familiar to you. He says, Since your most serene majesty and your high mightiness require from me a direct and precise answer, I will give you one, and it is this. I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the councils, because it is clear as day that they have frequently erred and contradicted each other. And this, less, therefore, I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or on plain and clear, clear grounds of reason, so that conscience shall bind me to make acknowledgement of error, I can and will not retract. For it is neither safe nor wise to do anything contrary to conscience. And then he said, here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. And we need to have that attitude when we face hostility, ridicule, whatever, for our faith. When we may be facing an increasing measure in times to come, pressure from government to, to change, to conform to their way of thinking. We need to say no. This book, the scriptures, that's where I stand. I can't do anything else. There's nowhere else to go. There's no other word. It's God's truth that will stabilize me and keep me. I must endure opposition and this gives me what I need to do so. The fifthly, uh, the stable word of God brings us stability in terms of liberty. So verse 96 uh, is a verse which confused me for a moment, um, or more than a moment. Um, it says, I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The word consummation uh, really should be probably more helpfully translated, end or limit. Um, it is something that in terms of restriction. So I've seen the, the end or the limit or the restriction of all perfection. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. broad. And in the first part of this verse, it, it brings us to the limits and the weaknesses and the end of what we might call the world's perfection. In the psalmist day, and especially in our immediate age, the philosophies, the rules, the culture, the way of life of the unbelieving world have an air of perfection and completeness. But they are all limited, which makes them imperfect. That's what confused me about this. Uh, the end or the limit of perfection, it doesn't seem to fit, does it? But if we think of it in terms of, as it is, the world's limitations and imperfections, really, they are all limited. They will all cease. You think about evolution. It's portrayed as, as a perfect theory, isn't it? This is it. This is the article. This is evolution, and every, all our lives are based upon evolution. Our scientific thinking is based on evolution. That is it. There we go. And we teach it in schools as if this is the finished article. But we know that it has more perforations in it than a Tetley tea bag. It, it's portrayed as complete, but it's limited. We see the end of it. 
What about the view that is portrayed that of man's ability to achieve anything? We can do anything. We can even save our planet. We can do it. We've got the power. But we see the limit. We see the end of, of such so-called perfection. We also see the so-called completeness in men's thinking of the sexual revolution of apparent liberty that really enslaves people to their unloving lusts and cravings. We see the limit. We see the end of it. What is deemed to be the perfection of men's thinking and desires. But this is not so with God's word. His word is perfect, settled, unchanging, and true. And so it is described in verse 96 as being exceedingly broad. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. To walk according to God's word and God's law, that stable word of God, is to live a life of wonderful liberty. In fact, that is how James describes uh, the very word, the very law of God in James chapter 1 and verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. It's the perfect law of liberty. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. And how do we see this liberty? Uh, we confess as a church in chapter 21, paragraph 1, this is liberty. It's a law the word of God brings us. The liberty which Christ has purchased for believers under the gospel consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin, the condemning wrath of God, the rigor and curse of the law, and in their being delivered from this present evil world, bondage to Satan and dominion of sin, from the evil of afflictions, the fear and sting of death, the victory of the grave and everlasting damnation, as also in their free access to God and their yielding obedience unto him, not out of slavish fear, but a childlike love and willing mind. That is the liberty that we have as the children of God. This is experienced as we trust in and walk according to that exceedingly broad word of God. You know, many would seek to destroy your stability morally and doctrinally by stating that you're too narrow. And you will hear that from even fellow professing evangelical Christians. You're too narrow. No, we stand on the exceedingly broad commandment of God. We stand on the true and stable and enduring word of God, that law of liberty. And we find in that word that stability to live and believe as we ought, as the dear loved children of God who desire to bring him the glory. The word of God brings us stability in terms of liberty. So as we conclude, 
yes, we do see change and decay all around us. But we have in our possession something that is stable. This is the eternal, settled, unchanging and true word of God. This has all authority from God for us to show us uh, in wonderful terms what we should believe and what we should do. And as such, we can rely upon it wholeheartedly. So let us give ourselves to knowing, understanding, believing and living out this word. Especially even in the midst of all the instability that we find in our lives. For it's only, only then, by the grace of God and power of his spirit, that we all might be truly stable Christians for the glory of God. Amen.